0: The Hook with Diane and Andy. It is Saturday, September 30th. We've reached the end of another month, but there is some joy in Mudville today because the Writers Guild strike is over. And the negotiating committee had an incredible, incredible meeting um, at the Pantages to celebrate the deal that was made. So it seems like most of the Writers Guild members are very happy with the deal that was struck. So SAG-AFTRA is still on strike, and the massive show of solidarity still continues, which was very, very nice to see. So let's hope the AMPTP has has wised up and will make a deal with SAG-AFTRA.
1: And they're set to meet this coming week?
0: They are. I believe they're set to meet tomorrow uh, Monday. Okay. So we don't want these strikes to drag on any longer. So let's, I'm really hoping that the studios and the streamers,
1: this town and this industry back to work, Get
0: everyone working again. Exactly. And also you want to save some of the shooting schedule. You know, we've already, they've already shot, you know, mid season television. We're going to be, let's just say, if you watch broadcast, you're going to be watching a lot of reality TV for (laughs) a while. And even on the streaming side, you know, they're, they're going to be releasing a lot more of their foreign shows. A lot of the American-made content, you know, that pipeline definitely is getting slowed down. It got slowed down by the strikes. So just keep that in mind when you say, like, hmm, why am I not seeing as many new shows as I usually see? Um, however, that said, congratulations. And just a job well done to the Writers Guild Negotiating Committee, to Ellen Stutzman, who headed up that committee. Because, my God, these people worked tirelessly to all of the team captains who supported... And helped, you know, feed all the workers to Drew Carey, who bought so many free meals. I heard the total came to something. He brought meals for free meals for Writers Guild members at Swingers and at Bob's Big Boy in Burbank. And I heard the total was something like $400,000, <laughs> oh, wow. probably higher by the end of the strike. But the massive outpouring of support and of union solidarity was really something to see. And it, it reminded me, and I am not a history buff, you know, a lot of America was built on the backs of unions. Yeah. And we're seeing it all across America now. The auto workers, you know, are on a partial strike and threatening to go out on a full strike. Hotel workers have been going out on strikes. It's just look, you got to pay people. You got to pay people fairly for their work. So, it's been re- it's a it's been an interesting history lesson for me. Um but anyway, I've also been watching some TV. <laughs> Andy, our favorite show is over, Reservation Dogs. Yeah. What did you think? What oh, did you think of the finale? Oh,
1: my gosh. This the season was so um, it was so it was so different from some of the other seasons and that it didn't have like a ton of plot. Really, it was just uh, kind of meditative almost and very just getting to spend a lot of quality time with the different characters. And anyway, I, I thought the uh, the finale episode was quite beautiful and um, poignant. And I loved that they brought in the, the seniors, uh, the, the senior statesmen, the elders, the elders yeah, into the end the story so much and kind of ended on a, on a note with them. Um, and I, I just overall, I just thought it was a beautiful ending to an, an amazing show.
0: I, I felt like the through line of the season was definitely about the elders and about one generation inheriting, inheriting the mantle from another. Yeah. Because like Willie Jack is studying with was studying with Physico. Yep. To learn about being a medicine man and, you know, about homeopathic cures and whatever. But what we find out in the finale is she really learned about empathy.
1: Ooh, she, yeah. She
0: learned about there's a real value in just sitting with people and listening. Oh, yes. Because she says, well, you know, a lot of the times he would just go and visit them, and they're like, yeah, that's the point. And it's, it's, that's what's been so interesting about the res dogs, to watch them as they're growing up and as they're starting to go in different directions. But they know they'll always be the res dogs to each other. They're never going to lose that, because emotionally they have that. And a lot of the characters, like, Rita was set to take a new job, and... You know, Bear's gonna stay at home. Alora's going to college. Um, just can I give another shout out to Ethan Hawke for playing oh, as gosh, as Alora's dad, just Rick.
1: Perfection.
0: Oh, and also beautifully written because <clears throat> it was not overly sentimental. But first of all, it's so rare to see a man on television who says, "Yeah, I messed up," I, and I know I messed up.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I'm, but like. And the way he tries to make amends is like a human would do it. Well, yeah, stay and have some pizza with us. I love
1: that. Stay yes. for pizza
0: night. You know? Yeah. The be- there's so many beautiful things about Reservation Dies, but first and foremost, it is overwhelmingly human and humane and empathetic, and it has a, like a deep respect for everybody in it. It does. I mean, I haven't, I don't think I've even read half of all of the laudatory posts that have been written about the show.
1: <laughs> yeah. Because
0: cause like Mo Ryan wrote one for Vanity Fair, Alan wrote everybody, of course, wrote about it. But it's just so beautiful to me when I, when I come upon people who haven't seen the show, all I tell them is I say, just watch it. I say, it's so worth your time. It's, it's just, these are people you want to be with. And that's where the gold is in television, when there are characters you want to spend time with. Yeah. And
1: in a world we don't see very much.
0: Exactly. And, we, and, and which we should see more of, because we should hear everyone's I stories. Mean,
1: yeah. One of the coolest things to come out of this is just the talent.
0: Oh, amazing.
1: That was plucked from, you know, these small towns. And... And given this platform, and I really, really hope we get to see so many, especially the, the younger actors. Um, There's also been a lot of many things to come.
0: Directors, uh, female directors, Native mm. American directors. And that's been amazing. Sterling Harjo, to me. It, if he did nothing else in his career, and I hope that won't be the case because I want to watch whatever he does next. This is a legacy show. This is if this is his legacy. What an incredible legacy yeah. it is. There's just, there's nothing else like it. Yeah. So I just, my hat is off to him. I mean, my hat was off to him during the first season because <laughs> that show sort of amazed me right from the get go. And I didn't quite get it at first, but then it just like, I loved it. It just, every, there was, and you know, when we've been talking about it, all you can say is I just loved it. It was so beautiful because that's what it does to you. It goes right to your heart. And those are those are rarities in television. You don't find a lot of shows like that. Yeah.
1: It didn't have to, it didn't have to, um, you know, add a bunch of stakes or plot twists or anything like that. It wasn't that kind of show. It was just a show about, you know, people finding their way yeah. and learning how to connect and, and
0: who doesn't like, relate to that. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's the old thing when you, when you write the specific, it becomes universal. Oh yeah. And that, and the show that. definitely did that. So, um, oh, boy. Well, anyway, all three seasons of Res Dogs, streaming on Hulu. If you haven't seen it, just get into it.
1: Yeah, treat you yourself. Because
0: you have lovely, lovely things awaiting you in, in the episodes. It, it's just tremendous. Uh, uh, Andy, I watched the movie Cassandra on Prime Video, which is based on a true story about a gay wrestler. And uh, Gael Garcia Bernal plays the role... And it is, it's an, inc- first of all, it's an incredible story. It's both incredible and sad, but it's really beautiful because he knew he was gay when he was a young man and he dressed very flamboyantly, thanks to the inspiration of his mother. And he becomes a very, very successful wrestler i
1: i have got to see this i didn't get to it this week but oh my gosh i think
0: you're gonna love it i'm
1: really excited and i love gail garcia Bernal. he's wonderful he is right yeah he's very wonderful
0: wherever he shows up
1: very great actor yeah
0: so always a plus um i really enjoyed it and then there's other uh bad bunny shows up in a small role
1: yeah how's that
0: he's very good but he just doesn't he only has a few scenes okay and um Who's the actor we loved in Looking? What was his name again? Um,
2: oh gosh, oh, the
0: handsome, handsome man oh, from he's Looking. So handsome. There were so many in that. Uh, yeah, in but that I know cast. who you mean, and he's
1: so handsome. Yes. Uh, I can't remember his name.
0: So he he he's also very good. We're going to talk more about that another time. Um, Andy, okay, you wrote down Dear Child, and I can only watch like two episodes of this. Yeah. Tell me what you I know We kind of we had a
1: little we had a little dialogue about this this week. This is a,
0: a German series on Netflix. Yeah, this it, is
1: a German kind of mystery thriller a, about a woman who escapes uh, like a, uh, a household where she's imprisoned with these two kids. It's, and
0: a, it's a domestic violence uh, kind, well, story.
1: Kind of, but it's much worse than that. It's like these. It's it becomes much. It's not just domestic. It's like these. Oh, no. they, these she's been kidnapped, and she's one of a series of women that was kidnapped and oh no yeah she um so anyway she she manages to escape and this is in the first episode so it's not really a spoiler she manages to to escape and get and gets hit by a car and then she and the young girl who was imprisoned with her are both like in a hospital and being interviewed and things like that and and as the story unfolds it just gets darker and weirder and there's like um They think at one point there's like a network of of men that are running this scheme to. But uh, anyway, it's a very dark, very scary and and fairly violent show about, um, yeah, this, this people that have been imprisoned and forced to forced to kind of recreate this fantasy life for a really disturbed man. And it's, um, I mean, it's quite well made. And I, I found it...
0: Did you watch all of it?
1: I did. I finished oh. it. Yeah. How I many episodes it. are there? I think it's six like episodes. Six episodes. All yeah. right, maybe I can take it for six. Yeah, episodes. yeah, right. It's not like...
0: I found it oppressive myself. But I have a real problem with violence towards women. Well, that was
1: such a great point you made, that there is so much content out there that is, you know, kind of based on violence toward women. It's
0: also the boon in true crime.
1: Yeah, that's true, too.
0: So there's a lot of that. And honestly... I don't want to watch that. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to listen to that. It because then this is the thing: just being female, you understand that the world's different than it is for a man. That there can be inherent threats and seem that ugh. seem very innocuous to men. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I'm not drawn to yeah. these stories. But I noticed that it was like it, on the leaderboard on Netflix, and I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Right. Right. You know. And then I was like, ugh, ugh. Now that you're telling me that there's there's more than just a guy beating his wife, I don't uh, it still sounds like I Yeah,
1: yeah, it's cuz she's not even the original wife. Oh, like man. it's yeah. Uh yeah, it's a lot. It's a lot. I um I I I liked I, I you know, I I watched it. I found it very watchable. I you know, I don't think you're missing out on any major, you know, Okay. like revelations in your life by by not by skipping it. So <laughs>
0: I don't know something sometimes you have to just take care of your own psyche,
1: absolutely. That's how I feel. About oh my it. gosh, that is so true.
0: But speaking of damaged psyches, American Horror Story Delicate, <laughs> Andy loves this show, and thank god because I can only watch like during daylight I hours.
1: Read the best quote, sorry, tell me, go wrong. tell me. And I think it was Wes Craven, I, it, was a, uh, it was a bit, it was horror meister. I, I think it was Wes Craven, it was a big, anyway, it was a big um horror movie director, and it said. Um, horror doesn't create fear it releases fear and i thought that was so interesting because
0: it's cathartic and i, I
1: don't think that's necessarily true all the no, time no no because yeah. it's
0: cathartic the big jump scares and things they are cathartic and
1: i yeah cuz i find myself like i'm i i when i was younger i didn't really like horror it really got under my skin and and as i've gotten older i just find myself liking it more and more and i've been curious what is that about but it's like in some ways yeah i kind of feel like i've tapped into like that side of my my own psyche, where where I enjoy the I enjoy it because it's cathartic. It's it's a it's, an emotional it's a emotional process release. that you yeah. go through. It's a release. Yeah, and as long as there's some kind of vindication, or you know, I don't like a horrible ending. I need I need a little bit of you know
0: a little light, a little light at the end of the a little the tunnel. light at the end
1: of the tunnel, okay. a little vindication to look forward to. But um, when when I when you get that, it can be a really you know just there's nothing like it.
0: There's nothing like a stylishly done horror movie. Like when I saw Get Out, I was yeah. like, that's a stylishly done horror movie. I was yeah. like, that's really good. That's why I like suspense thrillers because there, there tends to be a lot more style to it. It's not just about scaring you. Yeah, you get freaked out, but there's it's just a different style. Right. Look, the reason I am so I'm I'm such a scaredy cat. My m- one of my brothers, like they were babysitting me one night, and they let me stay up too late, and they watched the birds. Alfred Hitchcock, oh, the gosh.
1: birds. Oh, Andy, well,
0: that scared the bejesus! Yeah, out of when me.
1: you see this stuff when you're too young to like process, to process it and handle it, it is not cool.
0: And also, when you're not making that distinction between this is a story, and also. Birds, birds are everywhere. I lived in the Midwest. Yeah, I lived in a Chicago suburb, birds are everywhere. Well, kids
1: have no control. Like a lot of times, you know, kids like they right. don't they don't run the show in their lives. So, um, I don't know. I feel like they're already kind of like at the whims of like adults and 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 schools and all of this. And then to get these you know terrible stories when they're my they, mom. They don't so, feel like they have my any My mom agency. was so
0: mad at my brother oh, no because I had nightmares for. <laughs> Days after that, my mom was like, this is your fault. I think Jeez. I have a memory oh of
1: my mom yelling at my dad for letting us watch Poltergeist.
0: Oh, see? kind of thing. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so i oh, haven't seen the second oh episode of, of delicate this what, is definitely a thinking? slow
1: burn season so far That's like a good thing. yeah which sure. is fine with me because you know american horror story sometimes already by the second episode has flown off a lot of into stuff like in. yeah many many different directions this one not so much it's still kind of like you know we're still um uh watching the uh oh my god Emma Roberts character, um, struggle with, um, getting pregnant Pregnant. and, and balancing fame and trying to win a Gotham award so that she can then get an, an Oscar nomination. And, you know, so, Uh, and, and, and I am just Kim Kardashian man we have to talk about that. I thought she was good in the first episode. And I was like, do. this is passable. This is good. She is really leaning into the character now. And it is like actually quite chilling and, and quite great. She crazy.
0: plays a power hungry publicist. If you are not. Yeah, this. right,
1: right, right. She is. Uh, yeah. The Emma Roberts characters publicist and trying to help her win an Oscar. And basically, it's like uh, the both of them have decided they will do anything to make that happen,
0: including, I think, make a deal with the devil. Yeah, I I have a, I feeling, th- that's I, I have a feeling that's
1: already happened. Yeah, yeah, it's very Rosemary's Baby.
2: Oh wow!
1: I'm, I've, I, I really seems like her husband, who is has this newfound success as an artist, as the artist, is part yeah. of is part of that deal. Yes.
0: Ooh, and I'm I
1: love intrigued. Rosemary's Baby.
0: Yeah, I think I think I watched that movie a long time ago and have not gone back to revisit. (laughs) That would probably also scare me sideways. So, but in a Kardashian-related note, I'm not sure why, but I wound up watching the season four opener of the Kardashians on Hulu, and I think it was that I kept seeing promos where Kim and which one were which one is she fighting with?
1: Um, Courtney, Courtney, Courtney. I believe, I believe,
0: and. One of the things that was really interesting when I watched the episode, one of the things that was really interesting is it's a very meta kind of thing because I think what spurred the fight was not only that they had a disagreement in real life, but then Courtney got upset all over again when she was watching rough cuts of the show.
1: Oh. So
0: it was like, it, 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 to me, that's just, it's like, well okay, here's the downside of doing a reality show. Oh my
1: gosh. Yeah. And, well, and we're in, sorry, wasn't there, she, there was like a call that got that leaked or, or did she put out a statement or she talked about
0: how she, well, she talked about how Kim started or Kim said, we started a chat called yes. Matt Courtney with me and your friends. And I was like, okay, that's, that's cold. Really cold. That's really cold. Yeah. And you know, she says, cause we're all concerned about you. And I was like, Man, she's saying this to her sister who like just got married. And honestly, I don't really get caught up in the Kardashian drama. I did not watch Keep Up the Kardashian, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Mm-hmm, same. And I watch them, and I just think, "Oh my god, this is such like white people problems." Yeah. But but what I do find myself admiring, and honestly, I used to have real disdain for the Kardashians, but I
1: did too. The
0: more I learned about Kris Jenner, the more respect I had for her, because. Chris Jenner knew how to get the money.
1: Yes, she did.
0: And I have massive respect for that. (laughs) I do, too. And so, in a corollary thought, I think Kim has learned best from her mother. Yes. And Kim, first of all, Kim understands the business.
1: She does. Kim
0: understands what a brand is and what, more importantly, what her brand is.
1: I have a lot of respect for Kim.
0: So... Yeah, it might have started with a sex tape, but it became a whole lot more than a sex
1: tape. Oh, it, yeah, it did. Uh, by the way, there is a feature in Vulture uh, called "Who's Afraid of Kim Kardashian," and they're saying this is going to be a weekly, ongoing feature. Um, and it's about
0: the, it, about, about AHS? Kim, No, or? it's it's
1: about both shows. It's is she scarier on the Kardashians or is she scarier <laughs> on American Horror Story? Basically, <laughs> that's the premise.
0: <laughs> well, let me tell you, as I'm watching this episode and she's on a phone call with Courtney because they're trying to sort of settle the beef and then she realizes that her sister's getting more upset because she's watching she's watching a cut of the show and she's getting upset all over again oh
1: gosh and
0: I was like I don't don't know how you even go at that I don't except and what it sounds like is that Courtney's just kind of done with it all okay because she says you know she's like I'm 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 done with you guys I I don't want to be around you guys and I think Maybe Courtney just needs some time away without cameras, without this. But then, yeah. does it become like, I mean, the thing is, she just got married. She's having a baby. Let's hope that goes well. Yeah. You know, but then it's like, what's your life then? Are you okay with that? Just like being a person?
1: Right, right. A person
0: married to a rock star, I mean, she's probably
1: got enough money for life, so she doesn't have
0: that's to. That's what I'm thinking.
1: Be part of this like ongoing drama of, of being on a reality TV show.
0: And I hmm. always wonder, you know, Kim Kardashian's forty-two now, and Chloe talks about turning thirty-nine this year and just wanting to get into her forties. She thinks it'll be a lot better than her thirties. Oh God! She's, like she says, the best thing about her thirties was she had I
1: wish her the best of well,
0: luck. Did
1: you... no, no, I'm not
0: sure. And he's not sure about that. I'm not sure,
1: if it's better than the thirties or not.
0: But... Well, no, she points out that even she's she is grateful for the two beautiful children she had in her thirties. But emotionally it was not great for her because the man she had the children with, Tristan,
1: yeah. he
0: kept having babies with other people. Oh, which is not the <laughs> ideal scenario. It's
1: not yeah, not what she signed up for.
0: So she um she I think she's looking forward to forties as a time to like be with her kids and like enjoy her life more, and who knows, yeah, maybe yeah. find someone else to be with. I don't know. But she was talking about that and I was like, good luck with that. <laughs> but then I just thought, do you want to be doing a reality show like when you gals are in your forties and everything? I mean, and meanwhile, Kris Jenner, you know, in the episode, also in the season over, this was great. They go to Cabo San Lucas and they stay at a friend's house, James Purse, the designer. They okay. stay at his beautiful, oh beautiful. He must house. have like
1: the ultimate Cabo it, dream it was, house. Oh it was my god,
0: beach house porn. Yeah, so good. Beach house porn. Yes. And the best part is... I, would,
1: I could do a full war- wardrobe of James Purse. Like, I, I totally get it. Just comfy.
0: Totally like, get it.
1: Comfy, cool. They're
0: sitting at like dinner or something, and Chris Jenner just breaks into a nonstop giggle fit. <laughs> and her daughters <laughs> realize, they go, did you take some edibles earlier? <laughs> First of all, this made me love Kris Jenner like even more. Oh my God. Because she's like, look, if it's after hours and I have a drink or I, I relax, she goes... That's okay. And I was like, you get it. You it's just better
1: for her than alcohol. So Seriously. You get that. I think she
0: was also having a little cocktail, but oh, I think okay. she had an edible before that. And so she was just <laughs> sitting there giggling. And I was like, okay, this is why I need to watch this show. I was like, okay, this is I, fantastic.
1: I, I, I've never said this in my whole life. You might watch but it. But I might have to watch the Kardashians.
0: <laughs> and I will also say that Kylie and Kendall, um, i think they're very funny and i think they're very engaging and i like that they're kind of you know they're both in like their mid-20s one's yeah. 25 one's 27 you know and kylie the one with the lip kits and everything yeah. that girl's richer than god Insane. at this point point. and kendall makes money modeling yeah. and they both have a really wonderful air of we don't give a fuck <laughs> <laughs> and you know what that made me love them more I love that. so when you watch them together they're very funny yeah, and, yes and they also all of all of the women all the the four the four ladies they wound up having a discussion of the word titties <laughs> and honest to god this just this just made me laugh so when Ken, when it goes when the camera goes to Kendall and Kylie and like a little confessional and Kendall goes well cuz they say like titties or boobies or chichis or whatever uh-huh. all the words that you use to describe it yeah and then Kendall looks at Kylie and goes, well, you've got, you got a set of tits. She goes, yeah. She goes, I do. Oh and then and then Kylie looks at Kendall and goes, yeah, but you got boobies, like little boobies. She goes, yeah. She goes, that's it. I got boobies. You got tits. Oh and I was God. like, I love them. This is a comedy.
1: I love this. They're- so cheers to that. They're like the little side duo, just cracking jokes.
0: Really? I think. They I think they I mean they get a lot of attention, of course. They're yeah. social media superstars. Yeah, they are. You know, they're stars in the modeling yeah,
1: world. Yeah, they're not in the, the brand side world. They're not the side act to anybody anymore. <laughs> there's but, also, by the way, there's kind um, of, what
0: is it? I think Kylie is dating Bad Bunny.
1: Yeah, one of them is. And I, they're in I a think, new Gucci yeah. campaign. Oh, okay. And it is is it stunning? It looks great. Is it great?
0: It just looks cool. Yeah. They both just look incredibly yeah. cool.
1: Yeah, Bad Bunny is incredibly cool. So. Well, and special shout out to, we were talking earlier about Yuri Moss Bella, who's a creator oh, on TikTok and Instagram. and
0: We, she, we love her, though. Yeah, She's so she good. does a
1: series of uh, with the Kardashians where she plays the three roles of Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. And it, frankly, really helped me understand kind of like, (laughs) you you know, the the base nature of these, of of who they are. (laughs) I knew Kim, but the other two, I can never remember who was who. And it's just hysterically funny.
0: She's done some really, really, really funny videos about them. And I was telling Andy, I love when she does Chloe.
1: Chloe's just like insane. always has the elaborate insane. Nails Yes
0: and she has these long post-its That she puts she on her nails And she does them And she's always like,
1: like <laughs> Wiggling her fingers Wiggling her fingers And the post-its are going Flying off And and her like wig Her long blonde wig Is completely unkempt ready. And ratty like ready, yeah. And Courtney's always like Angry because things Aren't organic <laughs>
0: <laughs> And then like Kim's planning a, a kid's party And then she says But the sh- the candy's not organic <laughs> and kim's ah. like it's candy the theme is candy land and you know kim's always on her phone it's it's pretty perfect i have yeah. to say it is the ar- Kim's kind the of always playing editor. the
1: victim a little bit in in, <laughs> in those like
0: it's just anyway so maybe we should just be thanking the kardashians for being a wellspring of entertainment and you know look if nothing else they're good sports
1: they are and then we did go to the grove this week diane and i we or last week we attempted to pick up her we attempted to pick up her phone but the the thing was we saw there was like a whole uh like pop-up shop for the d'amelios and i am not on board for yet another family (laughs) it's taking the kardashians (laughs) 20 years to like worm their way into my soul and now i'm down but I'm not signing up for yeah, another I have, family. I have
0: not watched the uh, that would, that's another show on Hulu, the Demilia show, and I, <laughs> I another, do not
1: give permission for them because to what enter I, my is psyche. It Charlie,
0: Charlie, D'Amelio
1: like Charlie, or who's
0: yeah. the social media star yes. and who started with TikTok dances and all that kind of stuff. But she is also one of the TikTok creators who basically appropriated a lot of dances from Black creators and did not credit them.
1: See, I don't know that much about them. I just feel like they're being kind of positioned as the next next family.
0: I get get the tube filter newsletter and those folks curate very beautifully, like, what's going on in that world. Um, I can't remember if I talked about this, which is pretty par for the course for me. But I watched the Netflix movie, You Are So Not Coming to My Bat Mitzvah. And I need to shout out Adam Sandler. I mean... He makes successful stuff for Netflix, and he makes these sort of really nice middle-of-the-road movies and family-friendly movies, but what I really loved about this one was his daughters were in it. It was very much a family. I think his wife had a role in it as well, not as his wife, but in another one of the roles, and it was really nice to just see a Jewish family and Jewish traditions treated and very normally and as very everyday things because they really are everyday things in many many yeah. cities and towns across the nation and this was all about when girls and guys hit like Jewish kids hit the age of 13 14 and they are getting bar and bat mitzvah or bnei mitzvah um and it was just it also had the added spice of Sarah Sherman as a uh queer rabbi which and she was wonderful <laughs> and this, I got to tell you, it's just, it was just so much fun to watch and it had so much heart in it because the main story is about how one of the daughters is getting, prepping for her bat mitzvah and she's going to all her other friends' bat mitzvahs and she has a, there's a, she has a rift with her, between her and her best friend and it's about kind of trying to mend the rift. Hmm. I don't want to say anything more, but watch it because it's really wonderful time well spent that's called you are so not coming to my bat mitzvah on netflix um the other thing i cannot stop thinking about is the supermodels which is um a four-part documentary series three or four parts over on apple tv plus and it is about christy turlington cindy crawford naomi campbell and linda evangelista and they're rise to the top of the modeling world and then to becoming bigger than just models, becoming supermodels. And they were the first supermodels. Um there were women before them who were successful as models. This is great though because they talk to so many people who and they have a lot of good, they have a lot of good archival footage of like John Casablancas, who was the head of elite. And they have, um, you see some old footage of Eileen Ford. I wish they had more of Eileen Ford talking, who was head of Ford Models. And who shepherded the careers of, and was like a mother figure to so many models as they were coming up. Um, It's an, an absolutely outstanding documentary. And if you have any interest, the thing is, it's not just about modeling. It's about fame. It's about how they used fame. It's about how media and fashion and fame all went together. There's a very interesting part about when the four of them, when George Michael asked the four women to do his music video. And of course, I don't remember uh, Freedom, his Freedom video. He didn't want to be in the video. He just wanted them to lip sync the words. Okay. And since he asked them, they were all like, yeah, sure. So they all show up. They didn't even know what they were going to do. But it, it's a beautifully shot video. Oh, it's I love very, that video. I mean, it's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. And David Fincher was the director. Oh,
1: right. Okay.
0: And they have a little snippet with him on camera. And he says, yeah, when they tell me that that's what they wanted to do, I said, sign me up. <laughs> you I almost
1: forget that he started as... He I mean, started as a video an, director. Yeah, he did yeah. Um, Madonna's Express Yourself video. Which well, he
0: did a lot of great movies. Based videos.
1: on yeah. Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Like, he's oh, very right. cool. Very cool video.
0: Yeah. 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 So, uh, it's a... It also has a lot about the downside of fame.
2: Oh, God. Linda Evangelista's
0: story in particular, you know, there's a lot of, she's had a lot of tragedy and sadness in her life. And most recently, she decided to try this thing called Cool Sculpting, Sonabella Cool Mm -hmm. Sculpting, and it disfigured parts of her body. Yeah, I've read a lot about this. And I believe she's suing them for it. Yeah. And then you watch her on camera talking about this. And also she went through a very abusive marriage for five years. Oh. Because she married this guy when, uh, who was in the, buz- in the business. She married him when she was 22. And she didn't talk about it then. But then after she split from him, scores of women have come forward.
1: Oh, gosh. And they
0: were sexually assaulted. By him. By the guy. Oh. So she's, it's amazing that she can even talk about it on camera and it's admirable that she does that. And she says, I'm very thankful to every single woman who stepped forward to talk about this. Oh, wow. And let me tell you, Cindy Crawford, they're all very eloquent. They're all very articulate about what fame did to them. Naomi Campbell addresses being known as difficult. Yeah. And why she, and she says, yeah, I was, yeah, because I spoke up. <laughs> I said when I didn't like something. Yeah. And because I was black and I did that. I got labeled difficult, right? You know, they tried to pay me less than they were going to pay my count, my, my modeling counterparts. And when I said, no, that's not acceptable. Then I was difficult. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. I think it's, it's just an incredibly well-made documentary that is the supermodels on Apple TV plus Andy, I'm going to make you watch it.
1: Okay. 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 I'm down.
0: Um, now Andy, (laughs) I didn't get to watch much of this but i think you binged it
1: oh my god
0: naked attraction (laughs) naked attraction we talked
1: about it briefly last week this is the new well it's not a new show it's a it's gone for six seasons in the uk but it just landed on max in the last few weeks and it's getting a lot of buzz but it's a it's a dating show where everyone starts out naked
0: yes so
1: basically there's like one person picking and six You know candidates and and the the people who are being chosen stand in these pods and and the pods have screens that raise from the bottom So, so at first you see the people's bottom half. And then, they ha- and then the picker has to eliminate one person that way. Then they based raise their it up to, their, up to their chest level. And then they have to eliminate somebody based on that amount of knowledge of their body. <laughs> and then the faces are revealed. And then they whittle it down to one person. And they go out on a date. And you get to see the date and then the aftermath. Um... You know, and it kind of sounds like, you know, scandalous and sordid and vulgar and all of this. But it's it's really not. It's very charming. It's It's a little
0: more sober. It's cheeky.
1: It's very cheeky. It's very explicit. I mean, this is full frontal male and female nudity. um, And, you know, that's what you're signing up for. But like, but it's not necessary. It's not like, I don't know. It's very British where there's just sort of a a like, like it's not. They're just not shocked by it. They're just kind of matter of fact about, you know. About nudity, which I kind of appreciate and think is well, is Americans, Americans. could Americans do. Americans are
0: so we're so prudish.
1: We could yes, we are, and we could do. We're with s- fine with some people getting attitude. killed. Oh and, yeah, and maiming yeah, people, but God forbid you violence. See that penis. Yeah, yeah. God forbid. <laughs> I know.
0: The best part was uh, just a shout out to the folks at Entertainment Weekly because they put up a headline on one of their uh, articles that said "Too many dicks in my face," <laughs> and I oh, was yeah. like,
1: "That's a quote from <laughs> one of the one of the contestants." <laughs> And the the host is named Anna Richardson and she oh, does such a great job yeah. And it's interesting because they also like she like they'll they'll be commenting on some of these pubic hair, and then Anna will do an aside about like some little statistic on pubic hair, and you know a study you know some like fun facts like uh, studies show that pubic hair gives off pheromones that does yada yada or whatever it might be. So they have lots of fun little anecdotes, and it's designed to educate and make people feel a little bit more comfortable with their own bodies and the differences between people's bodies. And they have gay character or gay contestants straight contestants oh, and cool. trans contestants Ooh, so yeah so it definitely tries to cover you know a fairly broad um range of people so anyway i just found it very charming and very I'm in fun to watch
0: of anything that makes you feel more comfortable in your own body yeah i feel like that's just an ongoing challenge for so many of us yeah so i think that's a good thing to promote and as i watched the host i think she is very good she's awesome and as i watched her because she goes You know, she goes, I've slept with men and women, and this is what I like her, you know, and they wound up having a, she chatted with one contestant about circumcised and uncircumcised penises and i was like
1: there's a lot you go ladies yeah yeah and they never shame anyone it's more like when they're kicking people off it's more like well i don't like the shape of this so i'm gonna you know it's never like oh this person's gross or like it's not making fun of them i mean there's, should it, it be. There's, it, you know it, it's cheeky like you said so at times you know they're just like oh i'm not into circumcised of the right but it's never really cruel
0: it's more like a flavor you don't want at the ice cream shop. yes
1: and Anna, like that. the host, I think really does a great job at making sure that that line doesn't get crossed. She's really good about guiding people.
0: Now you're making me want to watch more of it. I
1: think it's fun. I okay. think you would enjoy it.
0: Okay. I will watch more. <laughs> I only got through the first episode. Um, speaking of first episodes, I watched the first episode of The Golden Bachelor, which premiered this past week on ABC and is now streaming on Hulu. Because I was very curious. For one, I, I think the Bachelor and Bachelorette franchises are very tired. And I, I have so many things I hate about them. But I don't want to rant about that now. Because I know so many people are fans. And uh, part of my general ethos is let people enjoy what they enjoy. Fair. But every time I try to watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, I want to throw something at my television. <laughs> and I get very, very angry. It really activates me for some reason. So now there is a 72-year-old man named Gary Turner who lost his wife um, very suddenly. She died suddenly about five years ago. And his daughters encouraged him to be the first Golden Bachelor. And first of all, I think the man's from Iowa. You know, he's a nice Midwestern guy. I think it takes a lot of nerve to do that at any age, much less when you're older and more settled and but i what i really wanted to see was okay how old will the women be right that they bring in as the potential matches because you know one thing television really doesn't like is older people yeah there's a lot of ageism going on so
1: and hollywood in general loves to put younger women with older men that's a, that's yes, a Hollywood, that is an
0: old trope,
1: Hollywood yes. trope from yes. time immemorial.
0: Yes. And one of the great things about, you know, being alive right now is there are so many women now who are older and who are still, who are fantastically talented. Hello. Watch only murders in the building with Meryl Streep. Mm. Watch Michelle Pfeiffer now, who is still stunning on screen. You know, there's so many women, Annette Benning who has just, who just brings so much and they bring that life and they bring that experience and there's, it, it, it just gives more depth to their performances. Um, there's so many people like that, you know, men get away with murder as they age. I mean, look at Robert De Niro, look at Al Pacino, you know, Jack Nicholson, look at Jack, yes. well, Jack Nicholson, sadly has not been on screen for a long time and oh, anything new. It's
2: true.
0: Um, but let me tell you, the, the men you know oh they don't age you know but older women are america one of america's most ignored resources yeah so anyway i am happy to report that there are women in their late 50s 60s and early 70s in and the golden bachelor and true to form they have found some women who are a little wacky <laughs> a little goofy they have they they there's women from who's uh a woman of Indian background of Indian heritage. And, uh, there are some black women. There are, um, there's just, there's a lot of different types of women. Nice. It, which is very nice to see. And then they, for a ringer, they threw in Jimmy Kimmel's, uh, Jimmy Kimmel's cousin. And it was a riot. She was very funny. And she, she popped by, but that was like just a little, for a little comedic effect. And that was a lot of fun. um, I will probably watch more. Um, I didn't appreciate hearing Gary Turner say the word "journey" because I think that should they should not that should be banned from that show. He always says, "Well, let the journey begin," and that is a very hackneyed uh, phrase that they use a lot. Okay. And I'm just like, oh, please. But what is interesting is that the show, as I kind of thought, the show this time out is not all about making out. Okay. And Gary Turner talks about that in the premiere. About how when you're older, you know, you're not thinking about, what about my career? What about kids? You're thinking about, who do I want to be with, yeah. you know, for the rest of my days? Who do I want to, you know, who's the, not, I, there, was a, there was a very, not hackneyed, but there was a nice phrase at the end where he says, it's not, who can I live with? It's who can't I live without? and i was like see that's a beautiful thing whereas you know and my budget version of that is who do i like enough to not chew my arm off to get away (laughs) Yeah, you know
1: well interesting but he's he's he
0: seems like a lovely guy okay he seems like a just like good midwestern stock and a very lovely guy and i'm probably gonna watch more so bear with me folks i'm probably gonna talk about this again (laughs) Andy, I've watched the first two episodes of Starstruck. The third season is now streaming on Max. It is six episodes, and I fear this will be... I, I fear they'll either they'll either have to find somewhere else to make the show. But oh, I love Rose Matafeo so much.
1: I've got to get caught up on this, Diane.
0: Oh, she's so wonderful.
1: I, I love this show. I am behind on it.
0: Oh, then you know what? No spoilers. There are things happening.
1: Ooh, there's things happening.
0: Because the romance that she was in with Tom, the movie star, things are happening. Oh, so
1: he's very handsome. He really
0: is. And he's a wonderful actor as well. Yeah, he is. Uh, But I got to tell you, this is it. Rose Madifero, she just has some of the best reaction shots. And it's on full display this season. I'm parsing it out slowly to myself because I don't want it to end.
1: Yeah. I oh, love the show love that, that much. Okay.
0: So yes, I'm going to watch all of it, but not all at once. Also because I'm an oldie and I don't binge. <laughs> Andy knows this about me.
1: Unlike me, who loves a binge.
0: Um, the spinoff of The Boys, called Gen V, has dropped, uh, I think, it, I'm not sure how many episodes it premiered with. It's on Prime Video. Uh, it probably premiered with two or three episodes, and that, pre- that was, I believe, yesterday, the 29th. I'm very excited. Just to remind you, Lupe Part 3 is coming up October 5th on Netflix, and I adore that show because it's a fabulous heist show. Another fabulous heist show that just premiered. You can watch it streaming on Showtime called Heist with Courtney B. Vance. Uh, I think the premiere episode's now streaming, and it will be on Showtime Linear tomorrow, October 1st. Andy, our flag means death is coming back. Season two starts wait. October 5th on Max, uh, which I love, is I love Rise a pirate Darby.
1: show. I love a gay pirate show. I love take away, anything takeaway TT's involved in. So. I wonder if
0: Tyke is going to be in season two. Ooh. Because he's, he's, he's so if, busy these if, days. Sure, mind you, he plays Blackbeard in the show and he got into a little romance with Rise Darby's character, which was. He's
1: also in fashion shows. Did you <gasps> see? I can't remember. Him walking in the Hermes. He was in the Hermes show. Oh my God, looking fierce.
0: He looks like a rock star.
1: He looks like he belongs. By the to way, that. It's a little his, scary.
0: his very ta- his equally talented wife Rita Ora was on Watch What Happens I Live. Know married to Rita Ora. Oh yeah! Wow. She was on Watch What Happens Live, and Andy Cohen said to her, "What is what are the words you would use to describe your husband's vibe?" <laughs> and she looked for a minute. She goes, "Sex god."
1: Oh my god! <gasps> oh
0: wow! How beautiful is that? Wow. I mean, and they're a hot couple. Yeah. They really are. Yeah. So That's hilarious. Yeah, I love that. Um another thing I'm looking forward to, um Disney Plus Loki season 2 is dropping October 6th. I don't know how many episodes they're going to premiere with. It's probably just one knowing Disney Plus. Also, if you are a Disney Plus subscriber, they're hiking their subscriber fee to 13.99. So, <laughs> I might be going to that. Ad the ad-supported one.
1: <laughs> yeah. yep. These
0: are starting to rack up.
1: They really are.
0: And then um, the other screeners I've been watching, uh, I've been watching the Frasier screeners. There is a reboot of Frasier coming to Paramount+. And October 12th, they're going to premiere with two episodes. And you will get no spoilers from me. But I, look, I speak as a big fan of Cheers. And, of course, I watched Frasier. And this was... Uh, a very it's a very comfortable watch i think if you're a fan of either of those shows okay i think you'll really appreciate this okay. and it's nice to see kelsey grammer not my favorite celebrity but you know what yeah. it's nice to see yeah. him on screen Mixed it really feeling. really is and he has a good strong ensemble with him
1: i'm very excited about this next one the fall of the house of usher
0: tell me because on it, netflix i don't think i even read it wasn't it a book
1: it well <laughs> well it's i'm excited because the creator Oh. is oh no i don't have it in front of me um the creator is is the guy that did um house on or uh haunting of Bly manor and Haunt, Haunting of hill house um, two really, really good, oh. um, scary series on,
0: Andy loves his scares on
1: Netflix. Um, yeah. So I wish I could find his oh, name. Yeah, and- Mike Flanagan. It's Mike Flanagan. And Haunting
0: of Hill House was a huge hit for that. Yes. Film. Huge.
1: Yes. I'm actually listening to the audio book of, of Haunting of Hill House, which is by, it's by Shirley Jackson and Shirley Jackson is a lot oh, of fun. Okay this time of year especially but anyway that should be a fun show to watch
0: fall of the house of usher will hit netflix on october 12th and then on october 13th lessons in chemistry is coming to a Apple lot TV of people Plus.
1: very excited for this one
0: um it was one uh, of my favorite books by bonnie book. Garmis. wonderful wonderful book i cannot recommend it highly more highly it's just terrific brie larson and lewis pullman are two of the stars in this and they're both wonderful. I, I think I'm going to wait to talk about it until after it's out because okay. I think it's one of those things where you should just watch it and sort of let it wash over you. Cool. But Brie Larson does a beautiful job with Aww. the lead role in it. And also October 13th, Shining Vale starts its second season on Stars. That's the one starring Courtney Cox and Greg Kinnear. Um, we I think are going to take a little break next week because uh, Andy is moving to an undisclosed location or should I say bunker. <laughs> So I don't think you want to listen to me talk into the void.
1: Yeah, I was like, well, maybe we'll talk. And then I'm like, my mental state the day before my move, I'm just moving to a new apartment down the street, basically. But still, my mental state could be very fragile by then. Yeah, yeah, I told Andy, I said,
0: you don't need that stress. (laughs) But what I do want to do before we we take our leave for today, I had a very interesting conversation with a guy that you might be familiar with from TikTok or Instagram or YouTube. His name's Neil Ford. And he does these very sort of basic talking head videos where he tells a short story. And it's usually about people he met or an experience that he had. But it's usually about about people he's met and what he took away from meeting those people. Um, I will leave you with Neil's a very interesting guy. And he's a very interesting storyteller. He's very skilled at it because for many years, he made his living in advertising. And when he had to pitch an ad campaign, he became an expert at selling it in the room. He's very, very good at it. From there, he moved on to things like experiential marketing, which is when you would go like when a TV show or something does a big event to publicize something, or a brand does an event to publicize something. He worked in that space as well. And now he's doing this, and he also has a Patreon page, and he's doing an audio book. And you should check out. Neil Ford. that's N-E-A-L-F-O-A-R-D.com. But listen to my conversation with him. He's a very intelligent, interesting guy, and he has a heart of gold. And I know this also because I had lunch with him the other day. And he's just kind of a gem of a human being. And I love finding that because, you know, how often does that happen in life? But that's all for this week. We'll probably, we'll talk to you in two weeks. Until then... Support your union, support SAG-AFTRA, and let's hope uh, let's hope we'll have really good news to talk about when we come back.
1: Yeah, yay!
0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to What's the Hook? My special guest today is Neil Ford. You might know him if you are on the social meds because he's popular on TikTok popular on Instagram. Neil, do you have a YouTube as well?
2: Yes, I do. You can find me quite easily, in fact, because my name is so spelled so unusually. It's easy to remember, but nobody else does it this way. N-E-A-L. Yes. F-O-A-R-D. Neil Ford. I mean
0: I highly recommend seeking out Neil's feeds because Neil's a very um he's a very unique type of storyteller. And he pops up in my FYP on TikTok. And then I also made sure to follow him on Instagram. Neil, first of all, thank you for spending some time today to chat. I really appreciate it.
2: My pleasure, Diane. You know it is.
0: Um, My first question is, I know that your background is in advertising and experiential marketing. Mm -hmm. Now, how did doing something like that, that is advertising and experiential marketing are both storytelling jobs? Yeah. How did that lead you to what you do now?
2: Uh, So there are two answers to that question. I'll start with the sort of more obvious answer, which is in advertising, what you are often selling to clients is in fact a story. But what you're trying to do is you're trying to say when this is complete, it will look like this or sound like this. And so what you actually have to do is you have to be able with no technology, with no support, you need to be able to just explain what an idea is. And then, have them sufficiently realize what's at play to go, "Yes, I'll invest in that." That sounds like that's going to work. So over ten thousand hours, you know, I, I easily made more than ten thousand presentations in a thirty year career. yeah, uh, very much like a stand-up comedian who goes out night after night after night, and over time, they learn really what's funny. They learn they learn timing. They learn how to make a gag land. that was that was how it was for me. I learned how to tell stories because that was ultimately, ultimately it really wasn't the ideas that what I brought to the party. It was the fact that I could explain the ideas. So that was, that's how I came to do what I do. But there was a second and just a significant thing that you learn from a year, from a a career in propaganda. And that is that (laughs) advertising is often people interpret it as um, lying. Like the the I don't know if I can swear on your program, but feel free. We have a phrase which is advertising is ninety five percent bullshit and five percent bullshit. <laughs> and the what people think is at play when they're advertising is that they have to sort of bamboozle you into believing something like I'll give you a great example of of the sort of toxic side of advertising is. Oftentimes, in order to persuade somebody that this product or this service is the answer to all their prayers, you have to actually make them feel deficient, like they're too heavy, or they're not attractive enough, or they're not smart enough, or they're not desirable. They're not worthy of love. Nagging. That's, yes, exactly. And there is a certain power to that. But what I discovered is something a lot more beautiful and a lot more clean and actually over the long term works better. And it's this, people buy from people they like. People buy products from people who they want to see succeed. That when you are good to people, and instead of trying to neg them, and in tra- instead of trying to make them highlight their loneliness, instead give them something to believe in and tell the, uh, uh, greatest the greatest version of this I ever saw. It was A.G. Lafley, who was at one time the head of Procter & Gamble. The instructions he gave the advertising agency for a single advertisement was, I want you to write me a love letter to my customers. Okay. And I thought, what a brilliant brief. I love thought, that. What's that?
0: I love that.
2: Yeah, and and guess what? The fact that more advertisers don't do this confuses me because the dividend that he and Procter & Gamble reaped from a brilliant piece of advertising that was the sweetest Olympic ad, where at the very end, the sentiment, it was basically a love letter to mothers. And at the very very end of the commercial, it says Procter & Gamble, proud sponsor of moms. Oh. And, and it was so lovingly crafted, so artfully constructed. The director who shot it, it was clear that it was a labor of love. And the casting was brilliant and so on. It, essentially, just to paraphrase the commercial idea, it was a it was a kind of montage, if you will, of watching little babies grow up to become Olympians. But all along the way, every time they fell, from the time they were little bambini falling on their butts to little toddlers falling on the ice to little teenagers crashing each in, into one another. To, to teenagers injuring themselves and having to you know get back up and do rehab to Olympians falling falling all again and again failure after failure after failure until finally this moment of triumph right. and in the moment of triumph who do they look for what's the singular look on their face
0: their mom
2: the triumph, they're looking for their mothers and there was not a mention of diapers or or clean clothes, or soap, or toothpaste, or paper towels. But everybody understood, everybody absorbed at the end what this was. It was a gesture on the part of people who make things to say, uh, I would rather be in this with you than anyone else. Right. And what what happened was, as you can imagine, the, the products fly off the shelves, the following Monday, because when given a preference, when when given a choice, it's worth a few more cents. It's worth 20 more cents to vote for you because you get me. And that's what I learned from 30 years is don't waste time trying to tear someone down or make them feel bad about themselves you You get one shot at life here, and mm-hmm. here's what you should do. You should try to communicate that you have a love for people and they're not so bad. And that, you know what? We're on this journey. We might as well do it together. you know i'm I'm here. and that You're is not-
0: def- that is definitely the focus of a lot of your social media posts now and a lot That's, of your yeah. short videos. Was there any one thing that particularly inspired you, or in general, was it? Just the scope of your career, where you just what what inspired you to start doing these?
2: Um, My children never knew my dad because he died before we had children, and it was a great disappointment to me to that he never met them because I think what he would see is how much like him they are, and um, you know this will often happen with children is they don't actually remind you of yourself. They'll remind you of, like, like my my son, Joe, he, he reminds me of his uncle Mike, my wife's brother, who I adore. He's just a wonderful guy. And when I see that, I just am filled with such affection for, for you know, for genetics, <laughs> you know, that they would bring these people back to life, right? Yeah. So, so I thought, what I wanted to do is I wanted to start recording stories about my dad. And so that my children would kind of know him and he wasn't perfect. My dad wasn't perfect. He had had a temper and, you know, he was prone to depression and stuff, but, but um, the only parts of him that I remember in my water are these little things that he would do that little, little phrases and, and little kindnesses and ultimately his heart was in, in the right place. And that's what it started as. I wanted my children to know their granddad. But then what happened was there was such an outpouring of beauty coming back at me from people who, in in my own recollection, of my father they they remembered their own fathers and their own mothers and their own uncles and friends. And I thought, what a what a beautiful thing. You know how uh, there's a great uh, a really great brand artist uh, Gary Vaynerchuk, who is quite Gary V quite famous and he's building himself a a bit of an empire in communications Um, and he will say don't listen to the comments don't post stuff and then read the comments because the bad ones will send you and send you into a tailspin and the good comments will you'll get addicted and then you'll start doing things just for the comments well and and what i frequently say is well it's too late gary because i'm addicted (laughs) to the comments and i'm not giving up on them anytime soon because what i'm addicted to is the fact that this is this is landing the way I had intended. If I could, if I could do a single thing in in the entire existence of my life, like had have it add up to one thing, it would be to try to remind people that they're not alone. That loneliness is a self inflicted wound. That you you do in fact you're worthy of love. You don't have to do stupid things like buy a bunch of impressive things in order to be worthy of people's attention and affection. You know, you, you'll see these people that just they'll buy collections of fancy cars and then they'll and then they'll flex and they'll show them off to people. It's like, brother, I, I know you I know what you think you're doing. Right. But uh, but here's what you're actually doing. You're trying to make people jealous in a out of a sense it's, of loneliness and, and, and like insecurity. you don't. Right. And insecurity. And instead of being mad at you, I just I'm sad for you. Right. You don't. You don't have to do that, brother. I got a better idea. Why don't you take that money, and without telling anyone, go find a deserving teacher, and why don't you start a scholarship in their name? Or better still, why don't you make their life more pleasant? And God help you, don't take credit for it. And what you're going to find out is, in your anonymity, you'll find the most pure pleasure you've ever seen.
0: I just the act of helping. Just yeah. be, I, I go back to the Mr. Rogers, you know, th- look for the helpers. Yeah. There's great joy in being a helper. Yeah. Whether you yeah. get credit or not, who cares? Yeah. But there's great joy in being, and also for somebody like him, you know, for a guy who has a car collection, I'd be like, dude, start a trade school for car mechanics. Yeah. You no, know, use your money yeah. for that.
2: Unfortunately, you know, that's you love. You know, the- People don't well. People don't know themselves well enough to understand why they're doing the things they're doing. They don't, you know. They, they, I forget. I'm forgive me for not remembering who wrote who had this quote, but it's um, um, well. In the, in the original, uh, you know, know thyself is is a multi centuries old, um, you know, millennia old sense. But um, to thine own self be true, and and an unexamined life is a life not worth living. You you need to understand why you do the things you do in order to see if you are doing what you think you ought to be doing or or living as you believe you ought. And there's so much pleasure to be had. Great study, University of Lethbridge, I think, in Ontario, did a thing. It was a very simple experiment where they went on the street with clipboards and and little pockets full of money. And they they would have people come up to them and say, here, listen, I want you to take this five bucks. I want you to take this. And I want you to go spend it on yourself. All right, go and spend this money on yourself. And then when you come back at the end of the day, I'd love to hear, you know, about your day. So they would go out and they would do that. And they would come back uh, very reliably, weirdly. And uh, these people would take it. They would ask them a series of questions. And the questions were not leading. But what they amounted to was, how happy are you? Just how was how happy are you at the end of the day? Then they would say to these people, by the way, if you come back tomorrow, I'll give you another $5 and we're going to try this again. So they would return the following day and they would say, here's $5, but you're not allowed to spend this on yourself. You must spend this on someone else. Ah. And then they would take their registers again. Now, Diane, you tell me which of those two days people were happier.
0: The second day.
2: It's obvious, isn't it? Sure. It's so obvious that on the second day, they would report a much, much higher level of happiness. Now, you and I both know that. And, and I've, because I know that I now am going out in the world and I'm doing very, very small gestures and I am, I can report back with some joy that, yeah, in fact, that's true that I'll give you a great example of a little thing. So whenever I board an airplane, I will always have with me a pocket full of these little troll dolls, you know, the little troll dolls with the wild pink hair or purple hair. (laughs) And I'll also have airplanes, little plastic airplanes. And I'll get on and I'll say to the flight attendant who greets me, hey, uh, here. Um, well, uh, I always I, I used to just hold my hands out like this and say, here, pick one. Yeah. They always thought I was high. I was fist bumping them. So it doesn't work. You just have to get on there and, and hold the, the toys out and say, here, take these. And any kids get on, you can give them to the kids. And then the flight attendants go, oh, fantastic. Thank you. OK, then. Kids get aboard and they'll give them little dolls or they'll give them little airplanes and and they don't just give them to them, they they give them their choice, right? So, and, And here's what happens. I am the big winner because I know that I've made the flight attendant happy, I've made the kids happy and I've made the parents of the kids happy. And what's more, the parents of the kids are a lot, they treat the flight attendants better because they gave the kids a little gift. And anybody will tell you, you give a gift to the parent, it goes only so far, but you give the gift to the child. What you've done is you have, you've proven a kind of community. You know, like everybody wants their children to be happy. Like every parent revolves around the happiness of their children. So when somebody else has made their children happy, they, get, they, they look at you through a certain lens now. It's a very positive lens, but I'm the big winner because I know this cascade of positivity is about to happen.
0: full effect yeah,
2: right, and I can report that you know you don't have to you don't have to do all that much to get this rolling. You just are super nice to a server in a restaurant or you understand that. You know, when when people at an airport are having a rough day because of flight cancellations, the number one people who deserve the most help are the people standing behind the counter because, you know, they're going to take a lot of abuse. So you got to overcompensate by saying, hey, just so you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of people here that won't necessarily say it, but they do understand how tough what you're doing is and how much they respect, you know, the fact that you're able to keep your smile on. So just so you know, between you and me, I see you i know what you're doing now that that goes a long way at helping remind people that we're all in this together that we're on and, this journey together and Maybe i think
0: that's great. one of the things your work does very well is you do make people feel seen and understood and i always say stories that's the important thing about storytelling is that it's universal you can tell a very personal story but it's going to resonate because of humanity. And so if you tell your particular story, it's still going to resonate with a wide swath of people. So how do you map out what you're going to talk about? How do you map out yeah. your stories?
2: Yeah. So um, my uh, excellent question. So it's, there's two models that I'm going to follow. And the first is, I am not going to tell this story for rand you know just randomly. I'm not going to choose to tell you st- and I'm uh I'll start with this. This is a hard and fast rule. Do not make yourself the hero of your story. Don't do that. Amen. I'm trying to help you by the way with this. I'm not trying to drain you of the pleasure of telling everybody how wonderful you are. The reason I'm telling you this is it lands better when people are standing next to you watching an event than it does where you're standing on top of a soapbox requesting their worship when you tell a story of, about someone else about someone you admire or an event that you saw that impressed and inspired you or a very sad story that ultimately had a good outcome if you if you avoid making yourself the hero of the tale your the person listening to it has the pleasure of of st- Standing next to you as a friend, as a a colleague, as a comrade, and watching those events and smiling with you at the end and going, Oh, that's beautiful, isn't it? And you go, Yeah, it is. If you if you tell the story and you're the big hero, half of the time they go, um, fuck you, you brag, you braggart. You and your, you and your, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's self it's aggrandizing. It's, it's a whole brag. It's,
0: yeah. it's a brag brag.
2: Self aggrandizing creates an, an, an environment in which I don't believe you. I, I'm guessing that that is not how that story went down. Okay. On the contrary, when you, are, when you say, even if, even if you are the hero of the story, just give somebody else credit for it. Like, even if you saved a Kid from a burning building. Tell the story from the standpoint of I was going to run in, but while I was wrestling with my own fear, this other person leapt into the flames and pulled this child out. I was astonished. You know, go ahead and tell the story as it happened. But if you are a witness to it, you're doing yourself an enormous favor. And weirdly, you're going to get credit for what happened anyway. It's a bizarre. It's a bizarre phenomenon, but you'll get credit. Now, the second thing is always make sure that when you are telling a story that there is a conclusion. That is, you learned something from it. What did this teach us? I'm not telling you this to make myself a hero. I'm not telling you this necessarily just to laugh. I'm telling you because at the end of this story, you and I will both share an understanding of something. So I'm always constructing those videos. With the moral in mind, I work backwards from the quote. Okay. And what happens is that when you tell a story where there is a definitive moral, like an Aesop's fable, people know you, they get to know you really well. They understand what your values are, they understand what inspires and motivates you. Yes. They know what your driving, your drives are. And again, to return to uh, it's easier <clears throat> if you want to tell a story, if you really do focus it on what do you believe in terms of values? What do you think? What, what, what do you want out of life? And don't make it selfish.
0: One of my favorite things about your stories is you'll talk about an experience you had or someone you met and and how it changed, not how it changed you, but just the impact it had on you. Yeah, And I love hearing that cuz you know that's what living that's what living is and that's also just being an extrovert and some as someone who really just loves to talk to people i always want to say oh no no tell me your story i i i would like to hear about you or not just what do you do but you know what's fun to you you yeah. know and yeah. it's not even things like what's the most embarrassing thing but you had a great story just about I think it was like uh, you were traveling and I think it might've been a homeless person who like helped take a picture of you and your friend. Yeah, yeah, we, we were, were up in and I, yeah. and I had this really wonderful chat with the guy and it just turned out to be this very interesting evening for you and your friend.
2: It was a real lesson. There were about five or six lessons from that. and Number one was, sorry. it's mm. Okay. Uh, my number one lesson from that was, my friend Tommy, who has this, he sees people, you know, he. That was a bit from the story. He's one of these, one of these people who um, he just has the grace of going through life. And it's not about him. Mm. I, I wish I, I'm trying to cultivate this.
0: Hard. More. It's a lifelong process.
2: Right. You, you have to break yourself of the habit of thinking everything's about you.
0: It gets easier when you get older.
2: But what so so we were, uh, for the benefit of your audience, essentially, this was a we were in Seattle. Seattle is a very photogenic city, especially down by the Pike Pike Street marketplace. Right. It's it, you know, it's a tourist trap, but it's beautiful. And uh, when we were on the street, we were taking some selfies, and this guy that was really down on his luck, you could tell he was homeless, but but not not you know, it wasn't crazy, he was just down his heels, and uh, he offered to take pictures for us. And The implication was you knew you were going to have to tip him for this privilege, right? So we were going to do it just because we thought, well, you know, he's not just asking for money. He's going to earn it. So, okay, this is worth a couple of bucks, but he was going to town. <laughs> he was really, you could see him at work and, and he was working. And we're thinking, what is he doing? Jeez. I hope he's not, you know, like, you know, stealing our passwords or something like that. Okay. But he's working the phones. And then we start to look at the photos. And we're like, damn, dude, these are brilliant. You know, He's he's taken advantage of every lens. I mean, he really knew what he was doing. So, Tommy asked him, "Are you are you a photographer?" The guy says, "No, I just take pictures for tourists." And uh, you know, the the young kids that have me take pictures, they don't tip as well, but they show me all the tricks. So it's uh, you know, it's really he
0: met some influencers in the wild.
2: Yeah, he did. He did. So, then Tommy he said Tommy got to the punchline before I did. Tommy looked at him and he thought, "Wow, this guy's." I don't know what his story is, but there's a story here. Sure. There's, uh, I, I don't know what it is. And then, and Tom pulled the jujitsu of all jujitsus, which is, he he was going to tip the guy. And then he thought, no, you know what, let's, let's buy this guy some dinner. But the way he put it was, he said, hey, we're going to go get some dinner. We wish we could talk more so you could teach us to do these things. Would you? Come, would you be willing to come with us to dinner so you could teach us this stuff? Nice. So you see, he's like he's like three moves ahead. He me and I didn't see it. It didn't, it would never have occurred to me to do this. So that's why I get choked up because it's like you're such a good hombre. you know. That's the way his mind works. Okay. Then we go out to dinner, and the guy just had lived a life. I mean, he had an astonishing life's history. He he played football at Washington State for the Cougars and, and he was, you know, he was on scholarship. But then after he got out of school, he didn't get drafted by the NBA by the NFL. He got drafted by Uncle Sam, goes off the NAM.
0: Oh, dang.
2: Gets shot in the leg. That ends any possibility that he has of a football. Uh,
0: football. Yeah.
2: So he comes back stateside. He doesn't quite know what to do. He's he and his father had been estranged so we went in search of his dad. He never did find him, but he, you know, he traversed the country multiple times riding the rails, like, you know, old timey hobo. Sure. Stuff. Sure. And, and, um, you know, and on and on this went Diane on and on it went. And we were there for hours having the, most, having the most wonderful French meal, <laughs> you know, like really stick to your ribs, like onion soup and beef bourguignon and, uh, and and none of us were drink. Say Tommy took his cue from this guy, and the guy wouldn't drink, so he knew that was probably where the problem was.
0: I right? see, I see.
2: So none of us had any liquor, and we got to the end of the evening. And at that point, you know, we uh, go out on the street, and Tommy's like, you know, hey, you know, uh, thanks very much for the photos. Listen, take some money, and the guy the guy wouldn't take any money, and. And Tommy tried so, so gracefully. Right. He was trying to, get this type, got to take money. But the guy was hip to what he was doing. And he was like, no. And he said, I don't take money from friends. Oh. And, and why that was so heartbreaking. I get it. I get it. Why was heartbreaking. Was because that was what he was hungry for. Hmm. That he was lonely. Very relatable. Very relatable. Well, and this Neil, is where, this is, go on. this is where, uh, it becomes a kind of mission, a sort of, you know, I'm, uh, Diane, I'm really not making any money off those videos.
0: I kind of figured that.
2: Like I maybe make maybe make a couple of hundred bucks a month, (laughs) you
0: know. Right.
2: But it's something I'm never gonna stop doing because I just want people to know that their instincts for helping other people, you shouldn't ignore those instincts. Those instincts that were actually all pretty good, don't ignore those instincts. And it's easy to get cynical. And and by the way, another tip is, Jesus, just stop watching the news. The news is yes. manufactured, manufactured outrage. It's absolute. Fear. It's, it's advertising is advertising 95% bullshit and 5% bullshit. The news media is 95% bullshit, 5% bullshit, and 30% bullshit. <laughs> it is. Because the algorithms have taught that in the short term, people that are enraged seek more information, but you are, you are poisoning the commons with your, by trying to set people off against one another. And
0: I've had to stop doing that. I can't, my, my psyche can't take it. And also I've always had issues about fear. And when I saw Albert Brooks movie, Defending Your Life.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Years wow. ago, right. I went
0: that literally opened my eyes and I went, yeah. "Oh, this is and I realized that got instilled in me by my mom who had it instilled by her mom. Yeah, yeah. It was that generational handing and the news really runs on the 24/7 news cycle runs yeah. on. So it
2: really it really started in earnest with the 24-hour news cycle, but it wasn't it was not helped along by the by ditching the fairness doctrine um which had oh, been a policy of fcc wouldn't grant you a license unless you demonstrated a fairness doctrine but <clears throat> so where we find ourselves in this current day and age is i wish there was greater understanding of the of the uniformity of human experience let me re- rephrase that the human the, the uniformity of human behavior under certain circumstances you know when you hear somebody bagging on another generation of people it's, it's like, dude, human beings don't change. Can we just accept that? Uh, go back, read some Chekhov, read some Dostoevsky from 1870 or 1880. And you know what you're going to find out? It's the same human comedy. You could, you could take Brothers Karamazov, you could put it in 2023, and there's nothing about their behavior that you wouldn't recognize. Now, what does that prove to me? That human beings don't change. All that changes is in the environment in which we, we grow up the expectations that are being set and the, and the challenges that we face. When you hear somebody saying, Oh, millennials, this, or Gen Z, that it's like, you're, you're betraying your ignorance because if you were, if you grew up just like those people, you would behave just like those people. If you grew up as a boomer before you bag on the boomers, if you grew up as a boomer, you'd behave just like the boomers. What I'm trying to communicate to you is accept that under the circumstances, you would do the same. And given that, you need to grant a little grace to one another, be a little more forgiving of one another. And guess what? The politics are the same. Some people that you would think you'd despise, you'd be surprised if you spent time with them and got a, and you could somehow choke off the news media for both of you. In three months, you're going to be fast friends. Now, I know you don't think so, and I, and there's good reason to think so, but- there are days when I go, there's no way I would believe what you believe, but I actually weirdly understand why you behave the way you do. I, I get it. And, and the reason I get it is I know that if I were in your circumstances, I would have an equal level of outrage. But you you got to remember, it's 95% bullshit and 5% bullshit and, and an extra 30% of bullshit. It, they are, the machine is trying to keep you divided. It's. It, it doesn't even have to be by ill intent. Just w- walk around just looking for good. And I promise you, you'll find it in small, in little things, little nice things that people do for each other. You, you,
0: if, I think that's like a beautiful place to to pause for now, because Neil, you're coming, Neil, you're coming back. You're coming back. I'd be happy to. Because there's way too much to talk about. Neil didn't know this, but it's going to be a multi-part series, ladies and gentlemen.
2: Which would be my pleasure. Diane, can I just end on this then? Um, I do have quite a bit more to say about storytelling. And forgive me for kind of going off topic. But I will say that the most important part of your story, the most important part is your motive in hmm. telling. It. There's no point in telling a story where you're not clear on why you're telling it. and hmm. and. And you know what? Make the why that you're trying to help someone. You're trying to benefit them some and somehow. Don't tell a story where you're the hero, where it's all about trying to get people to think you're wonderful, because that's not going to have the, output, the the impact you think it's going to have.
0: Again, the master of the button, Neil Ford. <laughs> Neil Ford, just yeah. a thousand thanks for taking Thank the time. I'm, I don't want to stop. But I feel that, you know, the show business adage, always leave them wanting more. So everyone, thank you for listening. And we'll be back real soon.